yourself you off, threw the your body it, off the bed. Well, okay, so the first night we were here, Herschel got out into the garage, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh no. I don't care about cats at all, but Rachel really loves this thing. Josh loves this thing. Oh, we can't let anything bad happen to this cat. And it got really in my head. So every time I've been coming in and out of this house, I've been putting my foot up so that I so that the cat is blocked if he's if he's lurking, you know. Mm. And so my I really internalized it, I guess, because I was having a dream. Laura, do you have internalized anxiety? It's external. at this point um but internally i was dealing with some stuff i guess it was a really weird dream but part of it was that herschel was getting out like out of what i don't know but it was just i had this feeling that herschel was gonna get out and so i needed to i needed to throw myself in front of him so that he he didn't get out and so i literally (laughs) threw myself on the ground off the bed how in the middle you, of the night. How, how did like you hit your head, Rachel? I threw my foot like, like <laughs> no, like oh, you didn't fall on the ground? Yes. Rachel. Oh, it was she just her whole body propelled off the bed, and Megan Megan sits up. Laura, I was so scared, <laughs> and then she thought I legit fell, which I thought I did too, and then I was like, no, I'm in a karate position, and I was like, and then we couldn't stop what? laughing. I, w- I thought you were unwell. I thought I was unwell, too. I was I like, I had were. to save the cat. Well, and thank you for your efforts. Do you do that a lot? No, I've I feel never, like that's a version of sleepwalking. I've never done that before in my whole life. I've never fallen off a bed. I've never thrown myself off a bed. I've but never, you would I've for, ne- and it, Laura, you know what it makes me think? What would you do for Herschel awake, you know? Nothing. Oh. I can tell you that. I mean, I tried pretty hard to keep him inside the house, but I don't care about it. Like, cats, for me, are like, well, first of all, we had a childhood cat for 12 years. 17, probably. I don't know. That cat, <laughs> 12 or 17. That cat w- just couldn't die. So that's sort of how I feel about cats. You did say we can't become a cat family. Lauren, no, absolutely not. Did you know that one of my reoccurring nightmares... <gasps> Is that we bury socks and he's not dead. Uh, Herschel. Sorry for the YouTubers. Yep. Ooh, okay. Herschel knew. Herschel is always fucking with shit. He fucking shit up. But yeah, well, it's one of my dreams is that like we have a cat zombie. Because I we bury him and he comes out of the grave Mm-mm. um dirty. <laughs> and, and socks by the end of his life, R.I.P. dude, but Who's mangy? Mangy, disgusting. <laughs> the teeth. Smell. Oh, he smelled so bad. Yeah, his hair was so matted. Inside or outdoor cat? It, 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 he was, was a, a combo, free, but towards the end, cat. towards the end, he free range. Yeah, yeah. He knew when Ethical. he didn't have the energy or youth to fight off the wild animals anymore, so he ended up being more inside at the end of his life. Herschel yeah. is the first cat that is in this house on purpose. Yeah, let's just say that. Growing up, my mom. Attracted stray, stray children and cats. Yes, yeah, stray children. Seems on brand. Stray cats and the kids were always here, but um, she was she was a sweetheart. But we had like a cat that had cat like feline AIDS and was missing an ear. Oh, what? Because of the AIDS? No. Okay. Uh, Who is feli- this? Feline AIDS, right? What cat had feline AIDS? Sammy. <laughs> what? You were too young to understand. <laughs> Herschel. He's a little bastard, that cat. I will say that all he needs to humble him is one outside experience. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if he'd I ever come back. I lo- think you'd lose him. Yeah, we'd lose him. Not worth the risk, Laura. He's too small right now. He's. But guys, I have not properly introduced oh, yeah. you. Classic. Laura's back. <laughs> You've met her... I think you've met her before. I don't know how how we will release these episodes. Oh, that's true. But my sister is here. We're going in the archives. Going in the archives for when Jess and I are in a little pinchy pinch. Um, and we got Megan McCool. Hi. Oh, oh my God, I'm here. <laughs> it is Megan's literal dream to be on a podcast. So the fact that she is on the podcast of which she is the number one fan. Number one fan. How do you feel? Long time listener, first time guest. (laughs) 
never in my wildest dreams would I imagine that I would be on a podcast. So I'm just living my best life. I I sprung it on her last night at dinner. I know. She almost and cried. And she uh. was crying in the Thai gourmet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the Thai just, gourmet. Because I thought it would be fun to have um these these two are masters um pursuing doctors and sure. I just thought it would be fun to have them on to talk about school and higher education and all of that. And they drove here from Indiana, one of Laura's favorite drives she's done, thanks to Megan. Oh, my God. It was the worst drive that I've ever had. It's always pretty bad, bad. But this one, somehow an hour got added to the time. <laughs> I went, I drove the way I thought I always drove and ended up somewhere totally different. We say glitch in the matrix. Absolute glitch in the matrix. It's it's the only logical explanation. The first hour felt like four. I felt <laughs> ill. I felt like we were never going to get out of Indiana. I was like, this is how it ends. This, this is, is what Indiana I does. I can't get out. I can't escape. We stopped for lunch before we left Indiana. Oh, my We hadn't God. even gotten to Ohio. And we were I like, thought we were. Remember? Yeah. I said, oh, thank God we're in Ohio. I said, like, nope. Nope. <laughs> We're not. Oh my god. Where'd you stop? Um, Richmond, Indiana. Shout out. Taco Bell. Oh, nice. We're dying for it. What's your go-to Taco Bell order? Me? Yeah, both of you. I'm interviewing both of you. These oh. are important <laughs> questions. Um, Thanks, I Laura. love just a taco. Like a soft beef taco. Soft taco gal. I, I, I'll say I like a hard taco, but only in person. Like, oh. not takeout. Oh, only fresh in the calf. Yeah, because otherwise they get soggy, and then what's the point? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was surprised that that was your go-to Taco Bell order, because I'd never been with Laura before. What? What's your go-to order? Okay. So, Laura, just to be clear, one soft taco. Two. Two. I got three this time because I was pretty hungover, but... She was. Nice. Where are you hungover from? Um, uh, Shot Girl Summer began <laughs> on Thursday night. Um... I was celebrating some stuff, surviving COVID, some exciting project news. Oh. And I drank so my favorite, you know, sparkling wine. We love a sparkle. Love a bubbly fucking wine. Um, so I was pretty hungover and I was driving and I just felt like three tacos was the necessary. And it was. Yeah. I, I think it worked out well for you. Yeah. Yeah. What are you, Megan? Crunchwrap Supreme. Yes, bitch. Beans instead of meat. Yes. I'm one of those people. Delicious, though. Yeah, Incredible. I get beans instead of meat still from time to time. Yeah, delish. Oh, I love Taco Bell meat. When I was a vegetarian, I would I would just tell myself it's not even real. Well, you'd get There's drunk so you could make the choice. That was early on when I still had, like, principles about it. Mm -hmm. But yeah. towards the later, in the later years, I was just like, you know, Taco Bell meat is probably not Real? Who cares? So I'm just. It's basically get soy. I've heard that. Yeah, there's a lot of soy in it. Oh, so. yeah. It's fine. Yeah, there's worse things. Yeah. What's yours? Crunchwrap Supreme. Yes. And um, chips and nacho cheese. That's what we got. Oh my god! It was such a. <laughs> it was treat. a debate. I was like, Laura, should I get the chips? Should they I? They are good. They're always crispy. Unlike Chipotle, which oh, sometimes man. sometimes are those are gross. gross. Yes. Just but oily. when they but when they hit, they hit. Yeah, well, it's true. the flaky salt. It when the flaky salt. salt stick into them. But yeah, sometimes they're so oily that they're like... Chew, like chewy. Chewy. Yeah, ASMR. Yeah. <laughs> I do love an ASMR moment. I also love a good Baja Blast. Oh my God. I don't. I think Freeze. it's like funky. Oh, I got a Diet Coke too. Yeah, That's, that's the go-to when I'm not feeling my best. Um, Bumbles. It, yeah, it was amazing. Oh, good. Yeah, it was it was just what we needed. I'm glad you guys got here. Thank you for coming to my opening. What do you think cool. of it, dude? Absolutely incredible. My mind was blown. I didn't know what I was walking into. Right. Absolutely beautiful. Well, yeah. it was crazy because you had posted so much about it on Instagram and videos, but I couldn't like visualize the space. Yeah. Like where things were in relationship to each other, and so walking in was just stunning it's a stunning space you did such a good job thank you thank you um it's like i like the minimalism of it because mm -hmm. that's not usually your vibe 
No, if I if I was up to me, if I had unlimited budget and um just access to things, if I my brain could process it, it would be like a poly pocket house. Yeah, but I don't think it should be. I think it's perfect. And um I cannot wait to see what sort of magic is made there. Mm-hmm. Me either. I'm excited for that as well. I think I just my issue right now is just like being patient with the whole situation. I don't think I don't think we got that gene. No, 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 no. And it's just like I know that I'm approaching a very busy season, like my busiest year yeah. <laughs> in general is like as photography. It's my busiest year ever because of COVID. Um, I think like so. Pushback weddings, but I didn't have a lot pushback. I because 2020 was like my post divorce season i didn't have as many bookings oh yeah so i only had like 15 weddings scheduled anyway so half of them rescheduled but not that and then and some people just canceled so it's not really that it's just how it how it ended up Mm -hmm. but um hence why we're pre-recording some episodes so in case i lose my mind yeah we've got some stuff to release honestly i'm just narcissistic enough to believe that this is like what was meant to be like, I yeah. was supposed to be on these podcasts, you know? Of course you were. Yeah. yeah. As were you, Megan. Oh, my God. Thank you for saying that. <laughs> Thank you. This was Truly. Megan's first time. Well, first time in Kent, not first time in Ohio, because her bestie lives in Akron. Shout um, out, Joan. Shout out, Joan. Oh, she's a new Friend of the podcast? Friend of the podcast, Friend yeah. of the pod, yeah, yeah. for sure. Uh, <laughs> Joni. Um, <laughs> so we've just been enjoying it. It's a beautiful weekend. I showed around downtown, showed around campus. Mm-hmm. If you the- know Kent, you know. Oh. And if you don't know Kent, you should. Mm-hmm. Got some Taco Tano's, some Thai Gourmet. We're going to get some Swensonians. Swensonians. Some Swensons, yeah, um, on our drive out. I love it here. She's, she's ready to get a job I'm here. ready. I'm ready. Kent, Kent State, girl. Which is honestly an excellent segue. Yes. We are talking about kind of the, should you go to grad school? What's that? Higher education, career changes, life. I think a lot of 20-somethings, 30-somethings are are wondering on their path in life. And I wanted to get these experts' opinions on grad school, on higher education, continuing your education, should you do it? Should you not? Will they talk you out of it? Will they talk you into it? We'll find out. We'll find out here. Well, why don't you say, like, what's your history? Like, yeah. how did you get here? How'd you get to grad school? Yeah. Um, I had to, I was thinking about it earlier mm-hmm. because there's some things that I forgot. Life so, is long. And memory is poor. <laughs> Sometimes scarily so. Oh. Um, yes. <laughs> yeah, so in college, I studied English and philosophy. I didn't know that. I know. A philosopher in our midst. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I truly don't know why I did it. Well, I wanted like a second major because I didn't want to graduate early. Because also like in college, I kind of was like, okay, I know I want to do English. So for me, that means, okay, teaching. Mm -hmm. I'll be a teacher. And then I realized, actually, I don't want to teach high school or middle school Mm. because that just doesn't sound like my vibe. Mm. They scare me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Kids that age scare me. And it's also really hard. It's, It's also really hard to, in four years, at the school I was at, get an English degree, like a major in English and secondary education. Mm. Like mm. you actually have to do a lot because, you know, you also have that last semester where you're student, student teaching. teaching. Mm-hmm. So you have to get it done quick. And I had kind of finally decided on English and something like that in like my second year probably. So anyway, so yeah, I kind of decided, okay, maybe I don't want to teach high school. It also, you know, it's hard to get this done in four years. So it's not mm-hmm. meant to be. Um. So maybe I'll end up going back at some point for like a master's in education or something like that. So like pretty early on, I was like, okay, like I could be going back to school mm-hmm. and I'm okay with that. I like school. Um, but I also knew really early on in college that I wanted to do a volunteer program after I graduated. Okay. 
So to a certain extent, I knew my plans Mm -hmm. after I graduated and I wasn't stressed out about figuring out a job or anything like that. What volunteer program? It's called the Jesuit Volunteer Corps. Okay. JVC. Um, And I went to a Jesuit university. Okay. So that was like very much a part of like the culture, the ethos, the vibe of everything. And um, I learned about it really early on. It's just a year of volunteering you can do, you know. Okay. After you graduate. It doesn't have to be right after. Are you like sponsored or like how do you afford to volunteer for a year? Um. That's a really good question. Um, so obviously, <laughs> it's a privilege to be able to do something like that in the first place. Um, but yeah, whenever you sign up through the program, kind of what you do is um, you get into the program and then you start looking at the different jobs that are available to you. Okay. So like through JVC, like there are different typically nonprofit organizations that will hire a JV to come in that they need a position, they need someone to do some sort of job. Um, but if you hire a JV, it's a lot cheaper because typically those organizations will fund like your living expenses and a sti- a monthly stipend. Um, okay. And for me, that monthly stipend was a hundred dollars <gasps> for like free spending money. You could do a whole I could do a whole just podcast on. just about this. So I don't want to get us too far astray, but I it was important to mention because like I knew whenever I graduated, that was what I wanted. Yeah, so to she do. wasn't going to. You go wanted to be. Poor and work for free. Yes. Um, who convinced you that that was the path? The Jesuits. Me. The Jesuits. Yeah, I guess. And me, I just ever oh. since I learned about it, I was like, yeah. After I graduate, I just I want to volunteer. It's for kind of like off brand Peace Corps, or, Abs- or off brand AmeriCorps. Yeah. Okay. With like some different components and some different vibes. Yeah, yeah. like Teach for America, that sort of thing. Yeah. Okay. But it, they're not all teaching jobs. Megan had a teaching job. I had though. a teaching job. Okay. Yes. Which also Is that was when you were in Michigan? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So my placement was in Detroit. So I lived with like six other people who were also in JVC, but they worked at different places. Okay. Um. So yeah. So I did that for a year. I taught GED classes. Loved it. Okay. But I also kind of knew, you know, I don't think that this is something I want to do forever. Okay. And also to jump back a little bit to college, I had like a mentor, one of my professors, and also like talking to her and things. She was like, you know what? You should apply for an MFA program, which is like a master's in fine arts. And specifically, she was thinking creative writing. She was like, you're good at it. I want you to like think about think about this as an option. And, you know, I was so young and I was like, oh, okay. Like, there's this professor, you know, telling me this, like, that this could be an option for me. So, and I like the idea of it. I like writing. Um, So I was like, oh, okay. So while I was in JVC, I applied for MFA programs. Okay. I didn't Um, know this. Yeah, which is really different from what Laura and I are doing now. Um, So I did that whole grad school application process for a master's in, like, creative writing and applied to like 10 schools, did wow. the whole thing. In JVC, we didn't have Wi-Fi. So it was just... I'm really <laughs> struggling to understand the appeal of JVC, but I'm sure... I know, I know. And I I had to bring it up because it's part of the... But part it's of just your process. This, it's this whole other thing. <laughs> it's truly, yeah. Um, so, yeah. So that year, I applied and I didn't get in anywhere. Whoa. Yeah, I didn't get in anywhere. And in hindsight, I'm totally fine with that. Yeah. In hindsight, I can't imagine, like, doing that. An MFA program, yeah. Yeah. Um, or being a writer in that yeah. capacity, mm-hmm. like, in that creative space. But at the time, was it, like, really hard for you to, like, accept that? It was weird because it was, like, my first time failing at something. Oh, mm-hmm. wow. Like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? School. So, like, yeah, at school. And so I felt bad about that. But I also think deep down I was okay with it because Mm -hmm. I knew that it might not have been right for me. Right. I was like listening to like someone I respect so much, I admire so much. And I'm glad that she suggested that. Mm -hmm. And I went through that process and that experience. But I think like deep down, like I knew it's like, it's okay. It'll be okay. You'll figure it out. Yeah. Kind of a thing. So I finished up my program, moved back home, moved, you know, 
my parents' basement, you know. We're here in mine. Did so. the thing. <laughs> Big dreams happen. <laughs> happen parents' yes, you basements. get it. You, yes, it's true. Um, and I was like, okay, I need to reevaluate, reassess. What do I want to do? Um, and I went back. I talked to her. And I was like, okay, I think I do want to teach. Like, mm-hmm. I want to be a teacher. But I don't want to teach high school still. Like, yeah, I don't, don't. want to teach youths. I don't. They're just... I don't think I have the personality for it. So I was talking to her and, you know, through some conversations, I decided, okay, like, I really like the idea of, like, teaching composition classes, teaching writing, like, at the college level. So that led me down the path of getting a PhD in rhetoric in an English department. Long story, but that's, here we are. So now you just finished your third year. Yep. Finished coursework. You're officially a master. Yep. So, and that's another, I guess, important point. I did a combined master's and PhD program, Mm -hmm. which you didn't. No. So whenever I signed up, I was like, okay, I'm here for, like, I'm doing the whole thing. Yeah. Hypothetically. Um, So, yeah. So I just finished my third year. I'm done taking classes. I officially have my master's. So now I'm moving on to the exam stage and all of that. Yay. So, Laura, you're looking at me scared. Is it your turn now? No, I, I don't know. What's your grad school story? Um, your journey to higher ed. My journey to higher ed was inevitable in a lot of ways, but also, um, something that I didn't anticipate. I didn't think about. It wasn't like a dream. It was just sort of like in college, I majored in English and psychology, both of which would demand further education. Right. Um, And I think I applied to like master's programs in both. I couldn't tell you um, (laughs) because I I just I don't know. I wasn't. Did you have a career in mind? No. Okay. I thought, okay, if I get into psych programs, I'll be a psychologist. If I get into English programs, I'll <laughs> teach English. It's opening your horizons <laughs> all the certain, way around. Yeah, to a certain extent, I didn't either. Like, I was kind of like, oh, yeah, teaching sounds good. But I also was like, I don't know what I want to do. <laughs> to a certain degree. So I, I kind of feel It's that. wild. Yeah. So uh, when I got into my master's program, it was in English. And I was going to study literature. I wanted to teach literature. And specifically, I wanted to teach like 20th century American literature. So like <laughs> all the <laughs> the beat poets and like, oh, yeah, heck yeah, you know, I was just all about the angst, like Catcher in the Rye. I was like, oh, my God, we need to talk about this yeah. forever, which like, it's a good book. But I think there are other books that we can bring into the canon. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I, but I took my first literature class at the graduate level and I hated the professor. <laughs> I hated the class. I got an A on a paper that everybody else got an A minus on. And one of the girls who was my friend was like, I don't understand why you got an A and I got an A minus. And it was the first time that I had been in like, a competitive atmosphere like that Mm. and that is not my vibe i am team we can all shine Mm. together Mm. (laughs) um or just keep your shit to yourself you weirdos right don't be concerned i know so rude it was but it was also just like normal was she accusing you of sucking dick for it or something (laughs) (laughs) um no but i maybe she thought i was like get this is too inappropriate. So anyway, um, <laughs> um, so at the time I was teaching, so I had my, I had a te- teaching assistantship, okay. um, graduate assistantship. So my education was paid for. With top tip, probably. Absolute Absolutely. top tip. Do Absolutely. not go to graduate school and pay for it yourself. Absolutely do not. There are too many programs that will pay for you unless it's like you're going into a program where you know you're going to make money, mm-hmm. you know, then mm-hmm. going into debt for it, I suppose, makes sense. Mm-hmm. I knew very early on I wasn't going to make money, so I wasn't going to spend money. Yeah. Um. So I was teaching at the time and I loved teaching. I loved teaching. It was a composition class. I was just teaching writing. I was hanging out with all these kids who were your age 
Okay. Because I was 22. They were 18. Yeah. And I'm just like. Like college writing one. Yeah. Yeah. I was just vibing. It was so much fun. <laughs> um, and so I talked to somebody and I was like, hey, I want to change my concentration to rhetoric. Can I do that? So we did. And I finished in two years. And then I did. And you were excited to teach at yes. the college level. Yes. I I love teaching. To this day, I love teaching. Um. I do not think that I want to continue teaching. I may, but um, I just think there's a lot that's broken about just the American education system mm. that I take too personally. Mm -hmm. Like, I think if you can, like, get into the classroom and get out, it's for you. Yeah. But I just, like, morally, sometimes I'm like, oh, my God, these students are paying how much fucking money to be here? Yeah. You know? Um, but anyway, so I had no idea what I was going to do after my master's. I, I knew I was going to apply for like teaching positions at different universities. Um, so I spent the summer, I applied to 30 jobs. Um, <laughs> oh, and I didn't even like know what was normal to do. I was just like, like now I know you're supposed to tailor your resume. You're supposed to tailor your cover. <laughs> I was just sending out the same shit to everybody. Yeah. And luckily a college in Georgia bit. <laughs> and they were like, hey, want to come down here? And I was like, yes, absolutely I do. So I went down and taught there for a couple of years. And it was when I was there that I realized, okay, if I'm going to do this, if I'm going to teach at the college level, I have to have a PhD. Yeah. Um, because first of all, you make such little money without one mm -hmm. that it's almost – the earth becomes pretty much uninhabitable <laughs> um, thanks <laughs> to climate change and poor wages. And – so I was like, okay, I'm going to get this PhD. And one of my professor or one of my like professor friends there had gotten his PhD a few years earlier. So he sort of helped me through the process. And I applied to three schools, which is not normal. No. Um, again, I was not raised by academics. I do not consider myself an academic. I just think I like school. And it just was like, sure, this is like – it was inevitable that it was going to be my next step, but I wasn't really thinking about it. I applied mm -hmm. to three schools. I applied to them based on where they were, their mm -hmm. location. I knew nothing about prestige. I knew nothing about concentration. Mm -hmm. I knew nothing about professors. I was just like, these three schools are within six hours of Kent. I want to be closer to the family, so I'm applying. Um, I ended up at the one that was six hours away. <laughs> and... Um, was just like ready to get get in, get out. I want to teach college. I want to move on. Yeah. Um, and now I'm I just finished my fifth year. Woof. Um, oh my God. Woof. Working on my dissertation. My contract was only four or five years, but I'm taking an extra year to uh just vibe, really. <laughs> <laughs> and well, you didn't want to get true. into the job market too soon like this COVID. year yeah oh COVID. my gosh yeah i just i haven't been in a rush i'm very i was very mindful um or conscious of the fact that grad students make very little money like pitiful money i mean they pay for me to go to school but yeah. as far as like living wages mm -hmm. i based on my experience in my master's program i was like i can't i'm not doing that again i'm not gonna be poor again like that um I'm not eating ramen for dinner every night. My body doesn't digest it the way it used to, you know? Yeah. <laughs> not, the gluten is oh, so, so the thick. sodium. Jeez, I just swell up like a balloon. <laughs> um, I think I went into graduate school with much more practical, a much more practical thought process mm -hmm. than a lot of people going to graduate school, which mm -hmm. is like for the dream of it. Like mm -hmm. this, like, it's a very... I know I can't say glamorized lifestyle, but when you see professors on TV or you think about the professors you had in high in college, what you see is like they show up to class three times a week. They sit in an office drinking coffee. Um, and once they've been around a really long time, they make pretty good money. Mm -hmm. But that's the thing. You have to be around for a really long time and you have to grind, fucking grind to get there. Um and I had no idea. I had no idea. I didn't know about like tenure. I didn't know about yeah. like the stages of tenure. I didn't know about like the research 
um, prestige of different universities. I just had no clue. And we ended up at an R1 institution, which just means research is the focus. Mm -hmm. And as two people who are interested in teaching, (laughs) it was like, I just don't care about these things like you care about these Mm -hmm. things. And so I have always felt just a little bit different than my cohort feels Mm. and not in a bad way just in a like what is the definition of cohort well webster defines it um it's just like a group it's like okay who you come in with it's who you come in with your same year you go through the whole journey together okay i'm just trying to translate for for those non-higher ed and cohorts are really small yeah which is i don't know my cohort was um like in my specific concentration, there were three of us. Whoa. By the end of the first year, there were two of us. And now how many are there? And now the other woman just graduated. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um we were like the first in the concentration. It was new. It was a lot oh, of like yeah. trial and error. Megan came in the third year of the mm-hmm. program and there was still trial and error. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um and What's interesting about – so I can only, like, speak on Laura's, like, experience watching her go through that. I remember feeling and vocalizing to you when you started, I just didn't understand. Like, you were so unhappy, mm-hmm. miserable. Mm-hmm. You were not having – it was not good times, mm-hmm. man. And I just remember being like, why are you doing this? Why – like, and I think there are years that are harder than others. Yes. And I forget which year it was, maybe year two or yeah. or something where I was just like, Laura, you don't have to do this. Right. But you very much felt like you did. Right. Well, there's this idea, and Megan could probably echo the sentiment, it's the sunk cost fallacy. As soon as I spent a day on campus, I felt like I had given too much time to quit. <laughs> like, I can remember be- my first year being like, this isn't right for me. This place isn't right for me. It's right for other people. It's not right for me. I don't know that I want to do this anymore. But I've spent a year of my life here. I might as well spend five more. Like, <laughs> what is that logic? But it is this idea that I've started this. I need to finish it. Yes. And mm-hmm. there's this mindset that grad school just sucks. It's just hard. It, and you just sort of have to eat shit until you're a professor. But what we've learned is even when you're a young professor, you're still just grinding. You're yeah. still just like trying to prove your worth in a sea of people who are also all just trying to prove their worth yeah. rather than recognizing their strengths, you know? Yeah. And so I was I was deeply unhappy um, until I – decided to do it differently. Mm-hmm. I decided um, I was going to study what I wanted to study, even if it killed me, because what I wanted to study was sad. And I study sexual assault narratives, and it's really difficult and really personal for me. Mm-hmm. But it was like, that's was what I have to do, or it's not worth it to mm-hmm. sit in this pain. Um, and as soon as I did that, as soon as I decided I was going to be true to myself and um, – take the support that my advisor was giving me and just run with it is when doors opened up. It's when I felt healthier, I felt happier and doors opened up for me beyond academia. Yeah. And that was really, really important because there's also this idea that once you're an academic, you are an academic. You like, you can't leave. Why would you leave? Mm-hmm. Um, it, leaving, going alt ac alternate academia jobs is a failing. Yes endeavor looked Mm. down upon it's like why would you do that and it's just unfair it's just an unfair first of all it's unrealistic to believe that everybody who gets a phd can be a professor because there aren't that many jobs yeah so that's something that we didn't know you i knew oh and you still did it yeah Yeah. (laughs) oh my god i had no idea how difficult it is to actually get a job once you have a phd yeah i don't know if it would be difficult for you knowing you but I, Laura, kinda, could get any job she yeah. wanted. Thank you for saying that. I am very lucky in <laughs> in life. And not that that's not Laura, to dismiss my hard work. I work hard. You win awards. 
She does. <laughs> Megan, I don't understand. Yeah, oh, I don't understand. <laughs> I didn't know there were awards to be given, but I'm just like, <laughs> Dad. There like, are your your sisters at another conference when getting prizes. <laughs> getting I was like, prizes. for what? <laughs> But our dad always says, doesn't count unless it's a cash award. Right. Absolutely. It doesn't count. And you know what they don't give in academia? Cash awards. Cash awards. Not a lot of them. No. Those are few and far between. They're usually called scholarships. and (laughs) Fellowships. They might come with health insurance. Um, But yeah, I I guess I don't even know where I was going. But I I just had no clue what I was getting into. And then when I got into it, it was very clear – it wasn't right for me, but I didn't feel like I could leave. Yeah. So then I had to decide through lots of therapy, mm. uh, lots of journaling, lots of crying, like how I could do it and be okay. Yeah. Because I wasn't going to quit. Um, not that I now believe like quitting isn't always an answer. Yeah. Um, and it's and it's that's always a solution. Yes. Yeah. Um, but I decided I was going to make it work, and I was going to be happy and okay and i have been mm-hmm. and especially this past year i was on fellowship which just means that i was paid to do re- my research i didn't have to teach mm-hmm. and with the pandemic i was so i felt so lucky not to have to navigate that with students mm-hmm. cuz i am such an empathetic person i'm so so sensitive to other people's needs and energies and um when I had to teach, like, at the very beginning of the pandemic, it was hard. I was like, everyone gets A's. Yeah. This is a global pandemic. I don't care. Yeah. Um, A's for everyone. Um, <laughs> and then I had time away from teaching, and I was healthy for the first time. I was happy for the first time. And I was yeah. like, I might be good at teaching. I might enjoy teaching. But my body does better when it's not responsible or does mm-hmm. it feel responsible for 25 other yeah. mm-hmm. bodies? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's hard. It's hard. It's hard. It's hard. I feel like there are a lot of careers out there where it's hard because like the people that are best at it, it's because of their strengths, mm-hmm. which like empathy is a strength, mm-hmm. but it turns into this like it's not healthy. Right. And it's exploited. Yeah. Yeah, we've seen that with our mom and teaching yeah. a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see. If So for any listeners that are talking about or thinking about grad school, like I even over the summer contacted no, grad school. Knowing what you knew. Yes. Yeah. Which is insane. Well, because I think everybody what? gets to a point with their job or with mm-hmm. whatever, be like, would I be happier doing something else? Mm-hmm. Do I need to go back to school? Is that the answer? Because um, I was thinking about going for therapy, like oh, to be a therapist. Gotcha. And it's like, well, there's no choice here. Right. When do you think that higher education is the answer or when when should people focus on something else? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I do feel like there's those, like, you know, TikToks going around like, oh, do I really want to – am I bored or do I want to go to grad school? <laughs> yeah. Like right. like something like that? <laughs> yes. Do I really want to go to grad school or am I just bored? Yeah, do I really want to go yeah. to grad school yeah. or am I just bored? Yeah. 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 I think um, – I would love to say just go for, go for the hell of learning. Learning new things is fun. That would be great if we could just go to grad school and learn things and that could be enough. But it's capitalism, baby. (laughs) You have got to know what's coming next. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean that what you go in thinking is next has to be what comes next. But I do think that not enough people think about the practical realities of postgraduate job markets. there's this idea that because the job market is so limited that you just take what you can get. You move to the middle of nowhere because that's where the jobs are. And um, you're just grateful to be tenure track. Um, yeah. And that's just so unfair to uh, – that's just being so unfair to yourself, I think, mm-hmm. to just take what you can get. It's also – I'm speaking from such a fucking place of privilege. I know that. I know that. I know that. Um, but – just this idea that we should take the scraps 
and be mm-hmm. okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, it's what makes it so easy for them to pay us so little. <laughs> yeah. It, what It's what makes it easy to see a $2 billion clock tower go up (laughs) and just, like, be disgusted by it. Yeah. So I don't know. I think that you know it's the right choice if it is taking you in the direction you want to go. Yeah. And if you realize that's no longer the direction you want to go, get out. That's why I say you don't pay for it. Yeah. (laughs) Um. Get if you can get a teaching assistantship or a research assistantship or even just, like, work study. Mm -hmm. Um. Because that way, it's not just like the sunk time fallacy, yeah. but the sunk cost one as well. Yeah, and something else I've had to remind myself and think about, too, is like we are doing a specific kind of grad school. Yes. We're doing like the whole shebang. When lots of people can go to grad school for a master's mm-hmm. in something that totally makes sense and is necessary for their field. Yeah. I enjoyed my master's. Yeah. If I had felt like that was enough, I think I would be, this would be a very different conversation. Yeah. You know, like people can go get master's in education, in social work. Mm-hmm. You know, what's the one for business? B- MBA. MBA. Yeah. You know, things like that. That makes sense. What's one for business? <laughs> yeah, we, that is important to acknowledge. We're in the humanities. We're in the humanities and we're in a doctoral program. Mm-hmm. Going to grad school doesn't always mean getting a PhD. Right. Yeah. So... Whenever I was first like, oh, my God, no one ever go to grad school. Don't do it. It's not worth it. You can find happiness doing other things. Now I have to take a step back and think, okay, what would it be for Mm -hmm. and why do you want it? Because I'm also like you. Like, Mm -hmm. sure, there is like this romanticized thing like, oh, I just want to go and study Mm -hmm. books. Right. That's what I'm passionate about. Yeah. Um, But I think that like you have to think about the practical nature of it. Like if it makes sense for your job, your position. Yeah. Where you think you might want to go. Yeah then yeah, think about it. Do lots of research into your different options, different programs, different benefits of getting an extra degree and like, you know, weigh those. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, And think about where you want to be. Think about like what sort of town you want to be in. Think about what sort of access you want to have to an airport or a target or, you know, (laughs) like think about what – what sort of life you want to have outside of grad school. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't, your entire life becomes grad school. I I always say grad school will take from you what you let it. Yeah. So if you don't live in a town that you can enjoy or or can afford, it's miserable. Mm -hmm. Grad school does become your whole life. And I don't think anything should be anyone's whole life. Mm -hmm. I think balance is the key to yeah mm-hmm. comfort and happiness absolutely um what was so are you guys i kind of answer this but are you leaving grad school with the career or like path that you intended to leave grad school with you know i think it's too early for me to so say. do you have two more years three three more years yeah so i'm only halfway done Laura's okay much further than i am as of now, I think I'm okay. I still it still makes sense for me to have gotten a PhD if I'm wanting to teach mm-hmm. at the college level, and that's still as of now what I really want to do. So currently speaking, I'm okay. Yeah, it's not that I'm totally anti academic job market. If there's a school that um, is in a place that I like mm-hmm. and would let me teach classes that I like, and you know. Um, it's still an option for me. Yeah. But I also have made it a priority to think about what other options are. And that is work I've had to do on my own. Um, that's not something – like, my advisor is wonderful. He's a saint and um, the probably best thing to happen to me at IU. Mm-hmm. Or Yeah. And <laughs> – um, but uh, – I, I've had to do the work of figuring out, like, can I work? Scary. What's that? What was that? Is it my phone? <gasps> oh, oh, no. End call. End call. End call. Oh, my God. Laura just called 911. <laughs> I don't know if this is getting cut out or not. They're going to call you back. What? How did you call 911? Your butt was just moving, girl.
I didn't mean it. <laughs> okay, so before I, I accidentally called the emergency <laughs> services, I think what I was saying was just that um, I, I've had to put in the work of figuring out what my other options are because we are in an environment where the next step is professorship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so when I decided I was okay with that not being the next step, but that I needed to figure out what options were available, I became much more comfortable in the not knowing. Do you feel like your doctorate is going to be an asset in the career field or, you know, in, in the job market, even if you want to do something different, do you feel like? I think it will be. Yes. Um, I think writing the dissertation that I'm writing is going to be something that opens doors for me, whether Mm -hmm. that be in like, because I'm writing about sexual assault narratives, it could open doors in nonprofit. Okay. In the nonprofit arena. Um, It can open doors in film. It can open doors, you know, so there's more options for me than I thought there were. And, um, And what I think is great is like you did that. I mean, it came to a point of necessity. Oh, it yeah. was like you were going to break down or – but, like, there was an option that other people didn't even know about, yeah. which was, like, make your doctorate about you. Yeah. Which was a hard choice. And for a long time, I, w- I was pretty anti work through your trauma through your doctorate. <laughs> I was like – Nothing like high theory to yeah. make you comfortable. That sounds like a lot of trauma yeah. to, to deal with, um, especially – now with Brett Kavanaugh and oh. everything that's just so triggering. But mm-hmm. um, <laughs> but y- by you doing that, you made yourself a an expert yeah. academically, which has made yourself an asset yes. to a very specific field, yeah. but a field that still matters. Right, right, right. Um, I came to my project – at the time of the Me Too movement, that mm-hmm. was sort of what propelled me forward in pursuing what I'm pursuing. And um, when public discourse is so um, present about a topic, it makes it easier to feel like, oh, this can be a public project. It doesn't have to be that just my committee yeah. sees this. Because um, that can be really – for some people, that's comforting. Okay. For me, it's not. Yeah. For me, it's not. You feel like you're writing it for other people. I feel very much – this is probably weird, but I feel very much like I want to write a dissertation that my that dad can read. Yeah. And understand not only, like, the topic better, but me better. Yeah. yeah. It's really important. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I did not – I would – this is heavy, but I told myself I could not move forward with the topic until I told dad about – my sexual assault. Did you tell dad? Yeah. I didn't know that I, you did. We zoomed. <laughs> when was this? Uh, 2018. Okay. 2017, 2018. And I, we didn't talk about the story or anything. I just said, hey, I've become very interested in this. It was when I was getting published for the first time yeah. about sexual assault on campuses. And I just decided I wanted him to be able to follow what you were doing, what I was doing, because it's just he takes so much pride in in us yeah and i and i he it's important to him that he understands what we're doing it's not just he's like my daughter's at grad school you know <laughs> yeah. um my daughter's a photographer he wants to know yeah and so it's been very important to me that i make a project that is accessible to him yeah and so i started following more like public intellectuals okay. like Roxanne Gay um and it's been really important to me that I remember that there are people like Roxanne Gay has a PhD. She mm-hmm. taught at Purdue, dude. Like, mm-hmm. um, but she She's has moved. opened other doors yeah. for herself. Mm-hmm. Megan, seeing like Laura being, you know, a couple years ahead of you and you guys are in the same program. Mm-hmm. So like, what have you learned from like being in the program, seeing other people in the program? Like was your – you know, your first day on campus was your out is your outlook like wildly different now, or is are you still kind of where you were then, like mentally? Oh, wildly different. 
wildly different. Like I mentioned, like I feel like I knew a little bit more about the realities of the likelihood of the job market and getting mm-hmm. a job and things like that. But I did not know what I was signing up for. Mm. I did not know at all. I knew nothing. You don't realize how different the coursework is. Right. Yeah. We study rhetoric. I didn't know what ethos, pathos, and logos were. Right. Like, just- and I don't know now. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> <laughs> ethos is a belief system. It's a – Sure. Anyway, that was just an example that came up because I I know I ethos from yeah. the Big Lebowski. <laughs> Say what you want about nihilism, at least it's an ethos. Oh my god, Rachel, <laughs> that's incredible. I'm I've never been prouder of your sister. It's not that I study ethos, so you know ethos. Yeah. It's, it's, or no, it's not nihilism. Say that's... what you want about communism, something like that. At least it's an ethos. Nihilism, you you believe in nothing. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> but. I just assumed Rachel knew ethos because of you. I did too. What a narcissist. And narcissist well, by proxy. Yeah. Is it, am I wildly <laughs> off? No. It's, I, in rhetoric, it's about character. It's about identity. It's about communicating the self. Oh. So it, belief system's not far off. Yeah. But, huh. Yeah. I learned today. Thank you, teachers, masters. <laughs> well, that was an example I used because apparently, like, people learn that in high school in, like, AP classes. No idea. I didn't take AP classes. No, I, li- I signed up for a six-year doctoral program, and I had taken one class mm-hmm. in rhetoric, rhetoric adjacent. I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> I had, still have imposter syndrome yeah Yeah. i didn't feel like i belonged at all i was like who are these people what am i reading why does any of this matter well i do feel like dying right (laughs) people are dying i do feel like the education system profits off of being an imposter right like it's this constant you're trying to convince yourself that you're good enough to keep going to keep investing in school it's like it's the ultimate pyramid scheme dude yeah oh my gosh (laughs) <laughs> it real. I mean, truly, that was something I decided wrong. early on was that before I was like, I'm definitely not or before I was like, I'm not sure I'm going on the academic job market. I had told myself I'm definitely not going to apply for jobs where I would teach doctoral students. I've had that thought because mm-hmm. I just sort of thought ethically, ethically, yeah. I was like the the jobs aren't there. Mm-hmm. I'd rather work with master's students because there are jobs. And it's a huge asset, huge mm-hmm. asset to have a master's in English. Communication is the number one sought skill mm-hmm. in job um, job ads, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so in, – Well, having a doctorate, like, can it ever play against you? Like, if you have a doctorate, you, you don't want to go into, like, in your case, education – you try to get a job in HR somewhere. No. Do you feel like I couldn't imagine? No, I, I think first of all, you can leave it off. Resumes are completely tailor- tailorable. Yeah, right? that's true. <laughs> you can just say you've been teaching for the last four years or whatever. But um, no, I I think it's only a problem if you don't know how to market it. If you mm-hmm. don't know how to market yourself as someone who has done product project and data management. That's ultimately what research is, you know, like it's just about thinking outside of the academic discourse, Mm -hmm. Um, which is difficult to do unless you have people who aren't in academia. It's harder than you think. Way harder. Yeah. Yeah. I guess to wrap up the episode, I want to hear from both of you. If you could tell yourself one thing on your first day of your programs like your doctorate i guess your master's doctorate Mm -hmm. if if there would be one thing you could tell yourself what would it be one thing i just think i would tell myself just do you Mm -hmm. just follow your instincts follow your gut because maybe you don't like what's happening now but just do your own thing and trust yourself yes Mm -hmm. because as laura mentioned anytime i've done that I've been happy mm-hmm. with what's happened. I've been happy with, like, either the research I've done or, you know what I mean? Just mm-hmm. yeah. big things, little things. Anytime I've n- not worried about, like, oh, my gosh, is this academic enough? Mm-hmm. Or is, like, this what I'm supposed to be doing? Am I citing mm-hmm. the right people? Am I citing the right people? Am I 
behaving in class like I, sh- you know, just everything. Yeah. Just do your own thing. Trust yourself because it'll you'll feel good if you do that. And it'll all end up okay if you do that. Mm-hmm. That was absolutely going to be mine. But I'm just going to say ditto. Yeah. And I think I would try to convince myself mm-hmm. that it's not that serious. I thought about that too. Mm. Um, because especially early on, because it was so foreign to me, I had no idea how the meetings with the graduate studies director went and all I, everything felt so huge. It was like, if I don't figure this problem out right now, it will never be solved. Right. Um, and that <laughs> was just not the case. I think that's a good um, like just attitude in life, mm-hmm. but especially when you're taking on a new role, a new job mm-hmm. to be patient with, I wish I had been more patient with myself. Mm-hmm. I wish I had acknowledged how fucking hard it is and yeah. respected that. Yeah. I wish I hadn't thought that I was an imposter for feeling like it was hard, right? Just respecting this is hard. Mm-hmm. Because we're not yeah. used to having it hard. No. I feel like that sounds bad, but it's true. Right. We're really not used to having it that hard. No. You, you talked about failing for the first time. Absolutely. Yeah. This is the first time I ever, I've ever really felt a, incompetent yeah. for a like sustained period of time. Just mm-hmm. reading words on a page and just, they're just words. I'm <laughs> yes. getting nothing. Yes. I'm getting nothing from this. Yes. <laughs> um, and just being more comfortable admitting that, it... When I started being honest with people at parties about how <laughs> hard things were, it I became so much happier because they, when you like go to graduate school parties, all people could talk about is graduate school. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, "Have you heard Ariana Grande's new album? Like, oh my god, have you seen what Justin Bieber's doing?" Like, I was like, "No, don't talk to me about this. I yeah. don't care. Uh, this is really hard for me, and it's important that I have an other another life, another mm-hmm. life." Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. it's your whole identity isn't you as a graduate student. Yeah. Who you are, what you're doing, how successful, whatever mm-hmm. that means, you think you are. That's not what matters. I told me. None of it matters. No. It's all fine. Dude, <laughs> we're all just floating on a rock in space, bro. Yeah. Truly. I told Megan and, and her roommate, Sarah, who's also in our program. Shout out, Sarah. Another <laughs> friend of the pod. Another friend of the pod. Um, told them very early on, good is good enough. Oh. all Everything you do cannot be your best work. It just can't be. It's not. It's not possible. Even if you didn't have to sleep or eat or go to the bathroom, you could not do it all. Grad school will take from you what you let it. Mm -hmm. So be fine being just okay at certain things. The Mm -hmm. point of a graduate degree, a doctoral degree, is to be an expert in a very specific thing. But you take coursework in a bunch of different topics. Mm-hmm. And and yet and you feel this pressure to be good and all of the topics like mm-hmm. I need to be good at this in this Shakespeare class, I need to be good in this postmodernism class, I need to be good in this rhetoric class. I need No, really all I need to be good at is it's the rhetoric class. One but my niche yes. thing within rhetoric. Yes. That's the only thing. So it's it's just I don't know. I have told myself I'm going to write a book about how to like be okay in grad school once yeah. – but that that's one of the other reasons I'm going to finish It's <laughs> just so that I could say, look, dudes, yeah. I did it. Yeah. Buy my book. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, good is good enough, words I live by. Mm-hmm. I've used that all throughout grad school. It's just become done is good enough. Yeah. Just getting it done. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Laura just – yeah. Without her, who knows if I – where classic. I would be. Just class, just so much wisdom. Ditto, ditto, girl. Incredible. Honestly, same. <laughs> Thank you guys for coming on the pod. Thank you for Thank having you for us. Thank you for having us. I was so surprised. I was like, people want to know about grad school? I mean, they we'll haven't see. asked. So this might be too niche. You but... want to know about grad school? Right, we'll see. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting, even for people like, people like listening to stuff, yeah. I hope. I don't know. Well, thank you so much. And maybe we talk someone out. And maybe I mean, we talk someone in, you know? I mean, just like, I'm always happy to talk about this. Mm-hmm. So uh, DM Rach and DM, and she'll DM us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll have them on again. 
Oh next my time. God, I can't wait. You can drive through the Matrix again <gasps> to come here. Oh my God, the drive. Back. I would only do it for the podcast. Absolutely. <laughs> it was it was horrible. I was sweating through my t shirt. Oh my God! It Put on the AC, up. girl. It was hot. Anyway, I'm on a new medication, so I was having some serious dry mouth. So we had to go. We had to stop at Meyer and get some like spray dry mouth to, spray. Yes. I've never heard of it. It was yeah, horrible. Not anyway. water. Yeah, dry mouth. Spray. No, the water was going to make us pee. We can't stop it anymore. We already stopped twice, like old women. It's a lot. It was well, lot. guys, I think it's time to go get some Swensons. Oh, is it yay. not? Woo! So excited. Good night, everyone. Thank you. Yeah.